I'm confident that you've uh, heard it said, uh, good fences good uh, make good neighbors. Uh, in New England, I think we can also say uh, good rock walls make good neighbors, uh, which means not only is it important to know and have clear uh, boundaries, property lines, but to be respectful of those boundaries and property lines around us. It's one thing for, for an individual like you or me to trespass onto someone's private property, maybe our, our neighbor's property. Um, there could be some kind of consequence. I guess it depends on who the neighbor is. But it's a whole other matter when an entire nation, when an army invades a foreign land, flexing their muscle, exerting their power, seeking to rule over others. Now, we see this in our own day. We see this in, in every age throughout history. Well, as we continue in the book of Daniel, he and his companions uh, not only find themselves exiled to Babylon, but the king of Babylon was deeply troubled by these dreams that he was having, dreams he could not understand, dreams that were coming ultimately from God, but dreams that neither he nor anyone in his kingdom, no wise man or enchanter could understand, and he's unsettled. But God had revealed the dream to Daniel. And now Daniel is going to the king. And this dream is about kingdoms in conflict. It's about one kingdom after another rising in power, seeking to extend its influence and borders until finally a final kingdom will come. A final kingdom that will be global, that will press all boundaries all property lines, if you will, encircle the globe, an everlasting kingdom. So it's Daniel chapter 2 as we continue, beginning at verse 24. Let's give our attention to the Word of God. Daniel 2.24 Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, the captain of the guard, king's guard, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what it is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. 
The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and then a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain in its interpretation, sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings, a revealer of mysteries. For you've been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. One of the distinctives of the book of Daniel Uh, is it's very optimistic and forward-looking vision here, uh, speaking about one kingdom coming after another. So it provides a a kind of telescope or telescopic view or long-range lens. It's one of its great contributions to the whole of Scripture. As Daniel looks ahead by God's revelation of what will come. And it ultimately points to this this final everlasting kingdom, this stone uh, that will crush all kingdoms, and it will be the cornerstone of God's glorious kingdom. So it provides, and He provides for us a a long-range view 
But when the events were unfolding for Daniel in his days, he's feeling very much under a microscope. His life is on the line and those around him. Though he and all the wise men, the magicians, enchanters, were under threat of death by the king, no one was able to make known the king's dream. Yet the Lord had revealed it to Daniel. Daniel alone has the knowledge. We saw that in chapter 2, verse 19. He's the only one who can intercede. And so as we saw, we have the, the idea, the concept of a mediator. Daniel must intercede. He's the man of God's choosing. So Daniel requests boldly, courageously to be brought before the king to make known the dream, that which was unsettling and disturbing the king. But before... uh, So so Daniel requests to be brought before the king to make known uh, the interpretation. But the first thing to see here is that for Daniel, there's something of greater worth, greater value, something more of, of immediate priority than making known the dream. I don't know how you would feel. I don't know how I would feel. But my inclination is that I would just want to get the dream on the table. My life is on the line. I have the knowledge of this dream. But for Daniel, there's something of greater priority uh, to, to, to emphasize. Verse 26, the king declares to Daniel, are you able to make known the dream and its interpretation? Daniel's response is not first an explanation of the dream or the interpretation of it. What does Daniel do? It's exemplary for us. He first bears witness and gives testimony to the one who created and formed the dream in the first place. The one who revealed it to the king. The only one who can make known the meaning of the dream and its significance. Daniel wants to point in that direction. Give emphasis there. I think these are Daniel's first words before the king in verse 27. His first words. No wise men, enchanters, magicians, no one can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. I think that's a kind way of saying, neither you, O king, nor anyone in your kingdom has the answer. That is, when it comes to a remedy for this very unsettling feeling, this disturbing dream, you and your kingdom come up short. You don't have the resources. Neither does your kingdom. Verse 28, But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And He has made known this dream. Daniel's words are vital for a couple of reasons. For one, this is a great and humble reminder for us, that that which is of greatest value, I trust and hope, for us in the believer's life, namely his knowledge and life in the Lord, is not the result of, of personal search and discovery. It is the result, ultimately, of divine revelation. Divine revelation. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly. Uh, to him, and he's not able to understand them. Or, or when Peter confessed Jesus as the Christ in, in Matthew 16, saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus responds, blessed are you, Simon, Peter, 
but this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. We live in a world, spiritually speaking, surrounded by uh, the walking dead. Those blind. Those blind. It takes nothing short of God's divine intervention and revelation to open blind eyes. So this is to humble us. But secondly, and in direct relation to this, is that Daniel seems to be pointing first to the one who reveals the mystery before explaining the mystery so that proper reverence and awe can be given to the Lord. John Calvin comments on this and provides good insight. He says, For many in the present day, in Calvin's own day, will hear willingly enough what may be said about the Gospel, but they are not inwardly touched by it. And then all they hear vanishes away and escapes them. Hence, reverence is the principle of true and solid understanding. In other words, to know the the substance, the content of this mystery, this dream, to know the substance of the Gospel will do little good if it is not accompanied by a heart of reverence and awe for the one who makes it known. We see this exemplified in people like the Apostle Paul and some of his letters in the New Testament as he is explaining uh, the Gospel and God's wonderful ways of bringing salvation. And in Romans 9, 10, and 11, he comes to that point of, of breaking forth into doxology and praise from his heart. Oh, the depth of the riches, the wisdom, the knowledge of God. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things to Him be glory forever. You could imagine uh, you're a sports fan, perhaps you, you are, or you enjoy music thoroughly, let's take the violin, and someone gifts to you a brand new pair of sneakers, basketball shoes, Air Jordans, in fact, or they gift to you a brand new top-of-the-line violin. You'd be excited, I think, grateful. But then imagine the person who gave you the shoes or the violin says, you you can wear the shoes if you'd like, you can play the instrument, but just know Michael Jordan himself or Itzhak Perlman I had to look that up, but that's a great violinist and conductor. They have chosen just ten people in the country to give these shoes to, this violin to, signed by them. Now the value, the worth, in reality and in your mind, just went up a thousand, ten thousand fold. Why? Because of where it came from. Right? Through who, whose hands it has, it has come. Daniel wants the king to sit for a while and ponder the truth of where this dream came from, that no one can make it known, but there is a God in heaven who has made it known. He's the source of this mystery. And then Daniel begins to unfold the dream and its interpretation. Verse 31 and following. The dream centers on an image This great statue. Verse 32, he says, The head is of gold, the chest and arms of silver, the belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay. We learn later in verse 36 and following, in Daniel's interpretation, that these parts of the statue represent 
future kingdoms to come. That the head of gold, as he said, represents Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian kingdom or empire. But then he says another kingdom will arise, the chest and the arms of silver in the image. A reference most likely to the Persian empire, the next empire that will dominate the the ancient Near East. And then he says a third kingdom will arise, the thighs of bronze, likely referring to the mighty Greeks. And then he says there will be a fourth, a final kingdom, strong with feet of iron, the Romans. The Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and then the Romans. At first glance, the image, the statue, appears immovable and very strong. Even even terrifying in appearance. Bright, glorious, solid, impervious. But then you notice, upon closer examination, that that fourth kingdom, the, the Roman Empire, the feet made of iron are also mixed with clay. As he said in verse 42, this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. Now, not only are the feet unstable and brittle, but it makes the whole statue, the whole image, vulnerable, unstable, and weak. Great reminder for God's people in any age, that while we might wish that nations and kingdoms have stability and strength, especially one's own, earthly kingdoms have a weakness to them, a vulnerability about them. They're susceptible to attack from without, moral decay from within, financial collapse It's one of the reasons we're given the wisdom in Psalms. Do not put your trust in princes. Nations, governments, parties, civil leaders, they all have a place in God's economy and order. But they're not ultimately decisive in directing history, in providing for life, true abundant life, in granting true peace, in in offering hope. There is a decisive and ultimate hand at work. A hand in which we are called uh, to trust. But in the dream, in the image, it's not the weakness, it's not the vulnerability of the kingdoms that bring them to nothing. It's not so much what's deficient in the kingdoms or in the image. It's the power and the greatness of the stone, the rock, cut out of the image, which crushes and breaks it into pieces. Verse 44, And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand Forever, Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, that it broke in pieces the iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. A great God has made this known. Daniel is saying, in a way, 
that the main cause of, of upheavals in human history are to be found not in the moral defects that mark society, not in the social and economic factors within a nation, but rather in the power and the progress of that hidden kingdom, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is that stone, to be sure, that rock which crushes and then fills nations with righteousness and justice and mercy until it fills the whole earth. And Jesus Himself said, pointing to Himself in Matthew 21, have you not read in the Scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? And I tell you, the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. One of the very helpful things that Daniel does here in stressing the power of this God to reveal mysteries and the power of God's everlasting kingdom is that it draws attention away from self to something all-glorious. Though Nebuchadnezzar's response, as you see in the end, is is not a full-fledged conversion to the true God, he does acknowledge Daniel's God, as he says, the God of gods and the Lord of kings. Even his eyes are raised for a moment to the greatness of this God. Listen to what uh, Ronald Wallace says here. Yet Nebuchadnezzar made a good beginning towards true faith. In estimating the significance of the king's experience, we must note that at least on a psychological level, it helped to bring a cure for his bad dreams. It did this by enabling him to begin to take his eyes off himself and off the petty affairs of his own kingdom. We need to think about ourselves in light of this. For it is because men have nothing high and lifted up to raise their eyes to, nothing bigger than themselves and their own world to worship and wonder at, nothing more certain than their own ideas by which to steer their destiny, nothing more inspiring than their own goodness to lead them to repentance, that life grows stale, feverish and frustrated, and bad dreams become a matter of course. It would be good for some of us today if we could simply start where Nebuchadnezzar started that day, even though he did not then pursue the road to the end. New life and healing can come to us only when we begin to find purpose in pursuing not our our self-centered aims, but the glory of God Himself. When we find rest in certainties that are completely beyond the changes and chances of human history and find that we possess righteousness and peace only when we possess them as gifts from God Himself. And oh, how we have the greatest of gifts in that cornerstone, the eternal rock and His kingdom. Just a few days ago, I saw the title of an article in the Wall Street Journal. I didn't read the article. It was in the section on real estate called Mansion Global. I like to look at the pictures. It said this, a $43 million waterfront estate is selling in Coral Gables, Florida. So if you're interested, I can provide you the link. 
But that's not the whole line. Here's the whole line. A $43 million waterfront estate is selling in Coral Gables, and it's a teardown. Someone has purchased this piece of property intending to tear it down. And we we might wonder, why on earth would something worth $43 million be torn down? Answer, because someone with a lot of wealth has a vision to put up something much, much greater. So it is with the kingdom of our Lord. Earthly nations, earthly kingdoms can have much glory to them. But it is the kingdom of Christ, His saving power, His wonderful word, His comforting presence, the gift of His Spirit, His precious bride, the church, His sovereign rule, and we could go on. That is to be the focus of our hearts. And when that is the focus of our hearts, we then have a foundation to live amidst the kingdoms of this world. Finally, I would say, Daniel points us in the direction of hope. Hope. And he does that by pointing us to that coming kingdom and its king. For that coming kingdom is led by a king. He points us to the remedy for one of our greatest needs in life. To be known. In our weaknesses, in our doubt and sin, in our loneliness. That's what this king is able to do. That's that's what this kingdom is able to do that no other kingdom can. To come to know us in our depths. Personally, to love us. To redeem us through His cross. And then to accept and embrace us as His own. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, how we thank You for uh, the wonder of Your Word, for the hope that uh, You are able to fill us with by causing us to to open our eyes to see what is coming. And Lord, we know as, as Daniel was looking forward, we look back at the coming, the inauguration of this kingdom through the Lord Jesus Christ with the same optimism and hope that filled Daniel's heart. Fill ours, O Lord. Cause us to lift up our heads and to see Your glory and Your goodness, the great works that You have done. Do that work by the power of Your grace and Spirit. Lead us as Your people, O Lord, in triumph. Help us, Lord, to navigate the kingdoms of this world, the circumstances of our lives, in light of You as our King, the King of kings the One who reigns supreme with all power, righteousness, and grace. We thank You, Lord, our Savior and our King who knows our hearts, calls us by name. We thank You that You've called us into this kingdom to be a kingdom people. What a privileged position that that we are in. And how relevant that we might be a light Lord, in the midst of darkness, reflecting the light of of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.